case. Hope not hates are basically controlling Brits. Hope not hate. An alluring name for those more concerned about social justice than truth. These backwards, these backwards thinking, virtue, sig- virtue signaling, fake news crap. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Hope Not Hate podcast. I'm Afrida and today we have a special episode focusing on anti-Semitism and the Labour Party. Ahead of the EHRC investigation, which is expected to be released sometime soon, our campaign's director Matthew McGregor spoke to Ruth Smith, the former MP and vice chair of the Jewish Labour Movement. The conversation, which took place at last month's Labour Party conference, focused on how the issue got there and what we might expect when the report is finally published. This was recorded over Zoom at a live event and online. The audio quality is therefore a little lower than elsewhere on the Hope Not Hate podcast. Thank you for joining this session, the Hope Not Hate session on tackling anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. My name is Matthew McGregor, I'm the campaign director at Hope Not Hate. I've been coming to Labour Party conference for more than 20 years now, um, but I've never done it from my spare room at my house before. I'm sure none of you have done that either. So uh, you know that there might be bumps in the road over the course of the next hour. I'm sorry if my Wi-Fi dips in and out, uh, or if you can't hear uh, us at any at any point. In a moment, I'm going to introduce um, uh, our speaker, Ruth Smith. I want to just start by reiterating what uh, Liron just said. Uh, this is a recorded session, um, so if you do ask uh, questions or if you're if you're ever on screen, please note that. Secondly, we've got a, a chat uh, a section open for people who would like to uh, uh, ask questions at the end of Ruth's, uh, my conversation with Ruth. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be fielding some of those questions, so add your comment there um, over the course of the next half an hour. We will remove anybody who um, posts any um, abusive or, or, or otherwise unacceptable uh, language, but I'm sure no one here will. We'll be going for about an hour. I'm going to be talking to Ruth for about half of that time, uh, so there'll be lots of time for uh, questions if anyone would like to uh, to add those. So I'd like to start by uh, welcoming Ruth Smith, the Vice Chair of the Jewish Labour Movement, uh, former Deputy Director of, of Hope Not Hate, a friend of Hope Not Hate for, for many, many years um, and into the future, I hope. Um, I'm sure that lots of people know uh, uh, Ruth from her involvement in this fight against anti-Semitism and the Labour Party. Really proud to uh, have you join us this evening, Ruth. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It is just like for you, incredibly weird. I've been going to conference every year since 1999, and to be doing it from a random room on Wi Fi is just extraordinary. And especially no drinks after the event. So, this is not what conference is for me. Well, speak for yourself uh, on that one. <laughs> I've got drinks ready to go, um, but let, I mean, let's let's get started. Um, this is a, an issue that has uh, gone on for a long time. We're going to spend uh, most of the time uh, this evening talking about what comes in the future. But let's start by just recapping how we got to where we got to. The HRC writing a report. Why did they uh, investigate the Labour Party in the first place? I think we've got to look back on quite how difficult it's been over the last few years for lots of different members in the Labour Party and for I think for everybody to understand what on earth's been going on because this isn't normal, this isn't why any of us were members of the Labour Party, none of us thought that we'd ever be a member of a party that was um, publicly anti-Semitic, never mind was going to be investigated by 
the Equality and Human Rights Commission, a commission that we in government set up. Um, it's been really tough to be Jewish in the Labour Party over um, since 2016 um, and systematically since 2018. How we've ended up in terms of the EHRC was the Jewish Labour movement made a decision to constructively try and engage with the leadership of the party as soon as this issue um, started to rear its very, very ugly head um, when the first instances of that were in the um, Oxford Union Labour Club and the investigation by Baroness Royal into that, which then got rolled up into the Chakrabarti report. Um, but there wasn't real efforts made by the party to change and all engagement between JLM and the party leadership failed miserably to the point it was becoming increasingly difficult for Jews to be active members of the Labour Party at a systematic, at a systematic level. So in um, 2018, uh, JLM decided, made it was a collective decision, that we were going to report the Labour Party. We needed this resolved once and for all, and we couldn't get it done inside the tent. So we reported the Labour Party to the Equality and Human Rights Commission, made a significant submission, um, and we're now waiting for the findings. And I mean, it's been a, it's been a long process, and the investigation itself has been really substantial. As we understand it, uh, a significant number of uh, um, uh, uh, submissions, a significant number of interviews. I, I've never, apart from the EHRC's investigation into the BNP, I've never given the EHRC much sort of close attention. What can we expect from the HRC? Is there going to be a kind of an unveiling of, of, a, of a verdict and, and a kind of a, a clear-cut, here's what the Labour Party should do next? What, what can members expect to see on the day it's published? I just want to say what I should have said. No one wanted to be in this position. Jewish community did not want this. I swear to God that I did not want to be a Jewish Labour MP. I did not want my identity, my faith, my culture to be at odds in the Labour Party. That isn't what any of us wanted. For this but trying to break through and trying to move on proved difficult and we can talk about some of the reasons why later on. In terms of what the HRC is going to do you're absolutely right we're only the second political party to be investigated by them. Um, the first being the BMP something that you and I would have been much more comfortable about than this. Um, we aren't going to have a um, the people are anti-Semites um, report from the HRC. They're not going to call anybody an anti-Semite. What they've been asked to investigate is whether there are systematic issues within the Labour Party about how Jewish members are treated and whether they have challenges in terms of at a branch level, at a CLP level, at an elected level and what is or isn't done. It will also examine and explore our um, all of our processes and procedures and policies to see what does and doesn't work and why not. In order to get to that point, the EHRC had to find, um, had to, we had to meet a threshold of racism before the EHRC would investigate. Unfortunately, the Labour Party met that threshold. So we expect the EHRC to come out and criticise Labour Party policies, say that there was political interference in our complaints process. We expect them to say that there has been a level of discrimination. I don't expect them to say the Labour Party is institutionally racist. That is something that, first of all, the, well, the threshold for that is very, very, very high. But the, um, uh, and there's a legal threshold for it. Also, it's not terminology that um, the HRC tend to use anymore. 
but I do expect them to find that we have discriminated against uh, our, um, our Jewish membership in an unlawful way. So in terms of what happens next, we'll make recommendations about what policies need to change and the Labour Party will have to implement that. So if they recommend, for example, something we've been talking about for a long time, an independent complaints procedure, then the Labour Party will have to find a way through that. So they'll make a series of recommendations that have a level of legal standing um, that the Labour Party has to act on. But we have no idea what that will look like. And no one, you know, there are very, very few people who have read the report in full, rightly. It's not leaked, thank God. Um, and um, we'll see what we see when that comes through. But everyone's still only, and in terms of timing, we shouldn't expect to see it until after the Jewish holidays now anyway. We've got Yom Kippur um, a week today. Um, and some of the and it is Jewish high holy season. It would be bizarre to publish a report about anti-Semitism during the Jewish holidays. That's really helpful. Uh, one other thing you sort of touched on something there that has has been not troubling me, but something I think is, is important for us to try and tease out, which is that to some some at some points in the debate this year within Labour Party, especially during the leadership contest, there was almost a feeling that the EHRC would solve this problem for us. Uh, for the Labour Party, sorry, um, that what the Labour Party needed to do was to wait for the report, implement the recommendations in full, and the sort of job done. Um, I, I don't think that's right, but I'm interested to hear what, what you think and what and uh, what you think the leadership needs to do over and above uh, responding to the to the report itself. We can have at this point the best policies in the world. We can have the best complaints procedure in the world. That is not going to change the culture of the Labour Party and is not going to make the Jewish community feel safe. It's not going to make Jewish members feel safe in the Labour Party. This is about cultural change now, as far as I'm concerned. It's about, you know, we have to do all of the policies, all of um, the complaints process, all of that as a given. That is just, you know, that should never have been in question. But it's much bigger than that now. It's, um, and because it goes to the heart and soul of who the Labour Party are, it goes to, what we stand for and why we're in the party. I'm a member of the Labour Party because of my faith and my identity, not in spite of it. And for the last few years, it's definitely been in spite of it. It's been a really difficult period. So the EHRC is going to give us a legal framework, a policy framework, but there still is a massive requirement for political leadership. And political leadership um, is clear for me in terms of a statement that zero tolerance is a thing is definitely where we needed to be. A statement that political interference isn't going to be there, absolutely. But honestly, while there are anti-Semites in the Labour Party until they've all been thrown out, that's a problem. Well, um, and while Jewish members don't feel safe, well, we still have, I mean, just to frame this for everybody, this is virtual, but last year at Labour Party conference, Jewish members had to walk past what was clearly an anti-Semitic poster for 24 hours in order to get into a conference. There were leaflets being distributed, where um, that um, which can, I can only describe as having cartoons that we would see on the far right websites, not on the far left websites. And those things that Jewish members had to walk past all of those things. So until it was clear that that is unacceptable, then the Labour Party has not yet overcome this issue. By the way, pretty sure that if there was an anti-Semitic poster outside Labour Party conference, it'd be up for about 30 seconds before the, lead, the current leadership of the Labour Party had it removed and had those people removed off the site. So the, the, the issue is, is, one of, is, is partly one of culture and, and leadership, as you've said, but it's also one of 
rule changes and process changes and um, uh, improvements to the system. Where do you think the balance is in terms of which is most important? Obviously, it's a, it's a mix of all of those things. But you know, if there, if there was one thing that you could have the Labour Party change tomorrow, what would that one thing be? I think for me, this is much more about culture now than rule changes. The the our system, our complaint system, historically had worked when there wasn't um, uh, when there wasn't political interference in it, but the cultural element the um i stayed and i stayed in the labor party because the labor party is my home it's part of me it runs through me it's as important a part of my identity as my faith but i also stayed because there were a group because i'm adamant that the young women coming behind me felt safe and secure in the labor party and i had to be a voice for them and i had to make sure that they had a home in the labor party and that's why for me this is a cultural issue that this is a i am and the one thing i really want so one of the worst examples from a personal point of view were of anti-semitism in the party was a, a clp there isn't a member of parliament in that clp there wasn't um um and the chair of the clp obviously didn't feel empowered to act apparently and there was a one Jewish woman, this isn't, was not a Jewish area, there was one Jewish woman in that constituency and she'd taken her daughter with her to the meeting. And she was a, a woman who is five foot six because I've met her and just a normal woman at a Labour Party meeting. And she was screamed at by a man who was much, much taller than her about anti-Semitism being a smear and it was all her fault and it was an attack on Jeremy. And she was screamed at and screamed at as he leaned over her and she backed into a wall as he continued to scream at her. And no one, not a single member in that room, intervened to stop it. That means we have a cultural problem in the Labour Party. That means it's not, the Jewish members were not going to feel safe in the Labour Party. Until that doesn't happen, until people are standing up in solidarity with people when, you know, it doesn't matter about the Jewish part actually, but in solidarity, whether it's, um, black racism, whether it's anti-black racism or whether it's anti-Roma racism or whether it's misogyny. Until then, that is a, you know, we have a problem. I, I want to come back to talk about members in, in the grassroots party in a second, but can you talk a little bit about how you felt the new leadership approached the issue so far? How much confidence do you have in the, not just in Keir Steiner, but in the um, the new general secretary and others in the shadow cabinet, do you feel that they've taken this seriously? And do you think that they've started um, to to try and change some of the culture points you just mentioned? So, I can't tell you how much of a relief it has been for me since April, on a personal level, from Keir's first speech, within minutes apologising for anti-Semitism in the Labour Party and making it clear it was his priority to remove it to the actions that we've seen since, to people being removed from the Labour Party, from people being suspended, who complaints had gone in historically, but nothing had been dealt with. Action has been taken and I have much more faith. There is a long, long way to go. But if I tell you I'd stopped making complaints on a personal level about the Labour Party, about, um, about abuse that I received from um, people I believe to be Labour Party members, I would now make complaints again. Um, because I have more faith that um, those complaints would be listened to and dealt with. And it wouldn't take the best part of two years, and it wouldn't be um, victim blaming, and it wouldn't be 
a horrendous experience to even raise your head above the parapet. I now have much more faith. Um, and that is the leadership and it's the wider leadership. It's Keir and his team, it's David and his team. They are moving in the right direction. And they, I mean, all of us, we are the progressive left. We have fought for every equality um, that this country has now got. This is not who we are. I think for all of our sanity, if nothing else, we need this issue to go away. I don't, after, as soon as the EHRC is published and we have dealt with the recommendations, I never, ever, ever want to talk about anti-Semitism in the Labour Party again, other than as a warning. Um, but, um, just on the EHRC and, and, and our membership, um, what would you say to, to members? How should they react to the report? Um, what, what do you think they should look out for? What do you think they should um, uh, uh, do with the report once it's out? So I think there's, there's several things. First of all, from a, and not to be too negative, but I don't want to see any whataboutery. I don't want to see any excuses made. I don't want to see any attacks on the EHRC. What I want to see is, oh my God, we have a problem and now we need to fix it. I don't want the EHRC to be attacked. I don't want the pain of some of our members to be written away, you know, to be written out of history or to be used as a political factional weapon because I've had enough of that. So from a member's perspective, I think that there, there will be briefing off briefing. JLM, I'm sure JLM, and hope not, hey, yet again, we'll do another briefing. But JLM will do briefings, the party will do briefings. I also think that part of this, for, um, yeah, briefings are one thing, but education is going to be key to all of this as well. And one of the things that I'm really hoping comes from this is that the Jewish labor movement as the party's sole Jewish affiliate, um, that they will start training um we'll, we'll start our training up and down the country again that we'll be at every clp if they want us that we'll be at regional conferences when we're allowed to have them again that there'll be an online training module that it becomes a normal thing and for me some of the traditional anti-semitic tropes you can see how people might fall into them once right that, that you can but it's the intent behind it that we need to understand and if the intent is that they want to cause pain and hurt, then they shouldn't be in the Labour Party. But if there isn't that intent, but people want to be informed and educated, then that option needs to be available to them. And honestly, what we've got at the moment from the National Party just isn't sufficient. So I want people to welcome it. I want people to acknowledge that there's been huge pain by our, you know, by experienced by lots of our comrades, that this wasn't a smear or a factional attack. Um, and that we just need to put it to bed. One of the things that has really struck me over the last few years is is the chronic lack of empathy um, and, and acknowledgement of, of pain, as, as you just said. And I think that um, even amongst those people who struggled to see it themselves or see it in their own local parties, uh, uh, an unwillingness to put themselves in other people's shoes and acknowledge that pain has been caused has has been really troubling at its you know a base level empathy and kindness uh, towards uh, other party members especially ones uh, who have been subject to abuse or, or racism seems just like a, an, a basic element of uh, being uh, well, a decent person I was going to say being on the left but I mean that, that stretches across the board just being a decent person I think that's, um, I got very, very frustrated by people who were 
honestly, this is going to get me in trouble, but by straight white men telling me that they'd never experienced racism or seen racism in the Labour Party, that they'd never experienced uh, anti-Semitism. I don't understand why they thought they would. Um, and it didn't happen in every CLP. I mean, on the same evening that Luciana faced a vote of no confidence from her constituency for speaking out on this issue, I faced a moment. I, um, I faced a motion of solidarity. My constituency were extraordinarily supportive. It didn't happen in every constituency, but and it didn't happen in every CLP, but it did happen in too many, and one was going to be too many. And the bit I never understood is why. I mean, it's really difficult for me to talk about Luciana and. Louise Elman and the experiences that they faced. But when you look, Margaret Hodge and I, right? Margaret Hodge and I had uh, someone um, said, and I apologize for the language, but my fans don't necessarily you know, have a tolerance for good language. Um, someone wrote that um, Margaret and I were Zionist cum buckets. Um, not a threat, but a level of abuse that is both misogynistic and racist. Um, that was on the front page of the Sunday Times. That member had um, that member was not expelled, was not suspended from the Labour Party after complaints had gone in, until it was on the front page of the Sunday Times. It took several months after the complaint had gone in because it was decided by the by the then head of governance that it was neither racist nor misogynist, which I find an extraordinary thing to say. That was my thought, apparently, that it was on the front page of the Sunday Times. I had to ring my mother because I got told it was going to be on the Sunday Times on Mother's Day. And that's what my mother would have read about me. It actually ended up being the following week. Can you imagine ringing your mum on the Saturday night before Mother's Day and saying, hiya, please don't buy the Times tomorrow. Um, and there was no support. There was no solidarity. There was no... Um, no one from the leader's office checked on my, um, did a duty of care check on me. No one made sure that I was all right. And in fact, it was even worse. There was, a, there was someone who threatened to physically hurt Luciana and I and another couple of MPs. And the Labour Party didn't report it to the police and they didn't tell us. We found out because it was leaked. There was no duty of care. There was no protection. There was no anything. And it was our fault, apparently. It wasn't anybody else's. But if we spoke out, it was a smear and we'd be attacked for it. But we were meant to be silent. I mean, I, it, was just, it was just a horrible, extraordinary experience and one that I really never want to repeat again. And the bit that makes it worse, because there's a lot of conversations about hierarchies of racism, there is no hierarchy of racism. Racism is racism. I worked at Home Not Hate. I was a, prof you know, I'm a proud anti-fascist. My first demo wasn't a Labour Party demo, it was an anti-National Front demo when I was a kid. Where, why this is so painful, and what I really want is that this was from within the Labour movement. This was not Nazis. I can deal with Nazis calling me names, I can deal with Nazis threatening to kill me. I mean, that was normal and continues unfortunately still to be normal. But from within our own side, from within from my family, from something I've been campaigning for literally since I was eight years old. My mother was a member from a kid. My grandmother was at Cable Street. I hate to use the lie, but my grandmother was at Cable Street. But she also took 
socks for the Durham marchers for when they got to London. You know, my family have been involved in this movement for three, for, for four generations, because her father, when he arrived as an immigrant, set up his Yiddish trade union branch for the cabinet makers because they couldn't have a non-Jewish branch. So they set up their own branch. My family have been involved in this movement for as long as my family have been in the UK. And for the movement to turn on me and to turn on my family has been completely heartbreaking and without much solidarity from people that I struggle with. Um, I want to um, ask a couple of related questions, but, but broaden it out from something um, anti-Semitism um, and then we'll open up to, to questions. Um, Firstly, there have been incidents of uh, anti-traveller uh, racism within the Labour Party in, in, uh, over the years, but, but in a more high-profile way more recently. Incidents of anti-black racism, incidents of Islamophobia, um, uh, all within the last year that, that, that we've highlighted. Um, the Labour Party has obviously got, uh, I want to come on to talk about other parties as well, but the Labour Party specifically has got uh, an ongoing problem with these incidents. What do you think that um, JLM and other groups have been working on anti-Semitism anti can bring to the table to help in that wider fight? I think this is the, the fight is the fight. The anti-racism fight is an anti-racism fight and we stand in solidarity with everybody. What it shows is that, um, and yeah, it would be easy for me to say this, but anti-Semitism has, has historically been the canary in the coal mine. You don't stand up against it and then other doors open. And that's one of the reasons why it is, we empowered people who, shouldn't, who don't share the values of our, mo of our movement to be vile. And that's where it's led to. Having said that, there has been always been an element of racism in the Labour Party that needs to be challenged, needs to be challenged by all of us. And I think one of the things that is most important for me is that it's making sure that people are empowered and confident to challenge on behalf of others. One of the things that's been most distressing over the last few years is that the fight back against anti-Semitism in the Labour Party was led by Jewish women. And they're and almost unique, yeah, you know, almost exclusively. There were some notable exceptions, West Streeting, John Mann, but it was almost and Eos, were, but almost exclusively the people in the daily fight were women, were Jewish women. No no equality battle, no anti-racism battle should be like that. Standing in solidarity with others, fighting that fight for them, so to give them strength. That is how the battle should be. And that is where I hope, please God, when JLN can just get to be a normal, boring affiliate of the Labour Party, because that's got to be a thing soon. That's what we aspire to be. Us being able to use this experience to give strength and confidence to other groups who are, who are suffering, who are struggling, and also for us to be with them fighting their fight. And we stand with them just unfortunately too many people didn't stand with us that is an attack on them by the way that was a you know as i just think too many people stayed quiet it was easy you, you broke up for me just a little bit at the end but i, I think i've got the, the bulk of what you're saying uh, i've got an ultimate question for you before we do wrap up and open up to questions yeah. um the, the other political parties um have also faced um really uh, serious 
allegations of uh, particularly Islamophobia in the Conservative yeah. Party, but the Conservative Party, the Liberal Democrats, the Scottish National Party, uh, Pad Cymru, um, Sinn Féin, have all had uh, incidents where members have been found to have engaged in anti-Semitic, Islamophobic, anti-traveller, uh, anti-black uh, uh, incidents of racism. The Scottish National Party has tried to improve its internal processes. Do you think that's a fight for all of us or do you kind of yeah. see that as well the Conservative Party's got a clean tone smooth as it were? That's a fight for all of us. We are an anti-racist party. We have always been an anti-racist party. And one of the things that I think we all struggled with, especially in the run-up to the general election last year, is that Boris Johnson has an appalling um, history of racism against the Muslim community. He, he has said vile things, and yet they got to do moral superiority over the Labour Party because of racism. I mean, it was an outrage, a complete disgrace. I had the privilege of representing a significant Kashmiri community, and they were scared about what a Boris Johnson government would mean for them. No community should be scared. So absolutely, I think there's a key for us about getting our own house in order so that we can challenge, expose, and then work with others to make sure that this is not an issue anywhere. And we have a moral responsibility, especially, again, not especially on any racism actually, but on all racisms. But some communities very, very much feel under threat on a daily basis. And we have always stood in solidarity with them. We need to get our act in order so we, you know, get our act together so we can keep doing that. I want to ask a last question before we open it up. So, well, uh, if you could uh, start looking for some questions to, to, to pose to Ruth. But I always try and end these sessions by asking um, uh, uh, the people I'm talking to for, for talk a bit about what gives you hope. Um, you know, there's, there's, it's been an incredibly unpleasant, challenging, uh, traumatic uh, few years. But is there anything that you're holding on to, uh, you've held on to or you hold on to now as something that gives you hope for what comes next? Um, the people that stayed in the Labour Party, I, mean, I understand why people left the Labour Party. I genuinely, I really, really do. But what gives me hope are some of the young people who stayed to fight the fight. They gave me inspiration. They kept me grounded. They also ensured that it's much easier to fight for something on behalf of someone else. But we've all, we all know that. Um, they give me hope. They are brilliant. Some of them I know will be on this call, but they are, um, there is a group, especially of young women from Rebecca Filer to Louisa Atfield to, um, uh, to Izzy Langer. They are extraordinary, extraordinary women. Um, Miriam Merwich, they gave me huge support. They gave me huge hope. And the other thing, which is going to sound really weird given the final result, um, but the general election campaign I fought last year, it was a lovely campaign. I mean, it was horrible on the doors, right? It was genuinely awful on the doors. But um, so many people came up in solidarity to make a point of coming to campaign with me that it was the friendliest, nicest campaign I've ever been involved in with an appalling result on election night. But it was an amazing experience. And um, I owe all of that and I owe my strength to all of them. So there is definite hope in all of this. We are always hope, not hate. And I don't have, um, you know, there are certain people who I don't like anymore. I think that's not unreasonable. But the Labour Party, I have hope again in the Labour Party. Keir has given me hope. The Labour Party is on a pathway and oh my God, 
um, we need to move forward because I want to make sure that we have a Labour government at the next election and we can only do that if we sort ourselves out. So I have hope from the future, for the future of the Labour Party and I have hope for the people that are in the Labour Party. Brilliant. I also Thank quite you. like you. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks. Not every, uh, not every uh, uh, panel conversation I, I have ends in, in that good a way, so I'll, I'll take it. Um, thank you very much for that, uh, Ruth. Liron, uh, do you want to, um, to to share some of the questions that people have been posting for Ruth? Sure. So um, there's been a, a a good conversation going on in the in the in the group chat. So uh, I've tried to pull some uh, questions together. So uh, the, the first one I wanted to ask was, um, what's your vision for how education in CLPs and and for members can work uh, could work and uh, how could JLM team up with other anti-racist groups or other groups who face oppression in the party uh, to do that work? I think there's huge scopes. So JLM's got um, a really good relationship with some of the other socialist societies um, that affiliate to the Labour Party. And I think doing this collectively, um, I'm especially thinking of organisations like Sikhs for Labour, um, as, well as, um, as well as across the piece, the Labour Party Irish Society, there's been some really there is amazing solidarity within some of the socialist societies. Um, I think doing this as a collective um, is important. I think we're going to have to have specific anti-Semitism training for a little while, but I, um, but I would hope that we get to a point in the not too distant future where it's more broadly anti-racism training and it just becomes a normal, you know, it becomes a normal part of who we are and we have, I mean, political education in the Labour Party does need some help and support, but you know, Matthew Collins, who is a wonderful uh, Hope Not Hate employee, who was a member of um, the National Front. So, you know, that's an interesting thing for me to say in the same sentence. But Matthew, um, I've had to speak at various Labour Party meetings as a political education tool. Don't tell him I told him at all. He'll definitely not be amused. But, um, but talking about the journey, and when you can talk, it's much easier, especially, you know, as well, we used to be able to do political education through the prism of the far right. So you talk about the BNP and you talk about their racism and you talk about their anti-Semitism and you talk about what they thought of women. And that was a really good political education tool um, because that, you know, that put down the lines. We're gonna have to find a way where we can collectively deal with some of those uh, challenges and do education in the way it should be done. I think there is real opportunity to do it collectively um, and to put some proper uh, and make it fun and interesting. I mean, this is a hot, some of this goes pre, some of the anti-Semitic tropes are unfortunately predate the war and are miserable but, and vile, but some of this can be really interesting. And I think we can collectively do the education training. Fantastic. Um, so uh, one question specifically on the EHRC report. Um, yeah. Someone has asked, uh, are you worried that the report not saying that Labour is institutionally anti-Semitic will allow particular people within the Labour Party to say that there isn't a problem at all with anti-Semitism? Some people are going to say there's not a problem at all within, anti within the Labour Party because they don't want to believe there's a problem because they don't want to acknowledge that there's a problem and they don't want to acknowledge their own culpability in allowing us to have got to this point. Unfortunately, that is going to be part of this narrative um but 
if the report says that our policy is discriminated against our Jewish members, then for me that that's enough. So if that, it says that our, that our policies weren't sufficient to protect the Jewish community and or Jewish members, then that shows me that there's a, there was a problem in the Labour Party. So I don't need it to say we're institutionally racist. I don't, in fact, you know, it will be heartbreaking for me as much as it will be for everyone else to see those words written down. But this, is, this isn't something joyous. This isn't something I'm looking forward to. But what it will do is provide us all with the opportunity to draw a line in the sand and move on. And I think we need it. This is both what we need in terms of changing policy and changing culture, but for some of us will also provide the opportunity for um, some closure. Sounds good. Let, let's, uh, yeah, let's that does, uh, uh, There's some hope um, for you, Lyra. Thank you. Um, so there's been quite a few comments um, that uh, feature a particular uh, feature a particular topic um, that, that we haven't really covered so far, being um, Israel Palestine. Um, and but I, I'm I'm going to take it in a I'm going to ask questions in, from a good faith angle um yeah. because um you know i think part part of what you know we will be seeking to do is hey and and uh, others within the party is you know in ensuring that members can uh, speak up for palestinian rights and not be anti-semitic um yeah whilst and also understanding so there's that half of the question and then there's also um how to explain to labor members using terms around zionism um is as problematic as using the word Jewish in particular circumstances. So I, I wondered if you could cover, um, from a, yeah. a good faith point of view, people who are interested in being pro-Palestinian and not anti-Semitic, and also people understanding the linkage between Zionism uh, and anti-Semitism. For the record, we don't like the, um, the Netanyahu government. In fact, in Israel, I'd be campaigning against them every single day. When anti-Zionism becomes anti-Semitism and crosses that grey line, why it's so painful is that for a lot of Jews, Israel is not, British Jews, including me, Israel is not, is, is the ultimate safety net for a people who experience the Holocaust. Knowing that there is the ultimate safety net in case something went wrong is an incredibly important thing. So there has to be a difference, especially when, you know, I would spend all of my time if I lived there campaigning against him but I don't live there and therefore I'm not responsible for it and that's the other thing I am not responsible for the actions of the Israeli government because I'm a British Jew I'm no more responsible for Netanyahu than I am for Boris Johnson um, and I would have campaigned and I campaigned against both of them um, so I just think that that's a really important thing in terms of the Labour Party in this space there has to be space as there should be on every issue um, we need to debate um, Israel-Palestine, but Labour Party policy is clear. We want a two-state solution. I desperately want a two-state solution. We also need space in the Labour Party to discuss what's happening to the Uyghurs. I want to, I mean, I want more space to discuss what's happening to, in Kashmir, where the lockdown's ongoing, or the Rohingya. I think there are so many human rights travesties happening around the world, and we are an internationalist party. So I think we need to ensure that there is space. I don't want to take away people's free speech. In my new job, in my new world, I run a free speech organisation. Our award winners are a Palestinian campaign group this year. I am proud to do everything I can to support the Palestinian people. 
people in their right to self-determination. I want to make sure that everybody has the right to free speech. I just don't see why free speech um, and why this debate requires you to be a racist. I don't think it does. So I think we need to find a space and that people feel confident speaking out in a way that doesn't make them, you know, vile. Thank you. Uh, Ruth, uh, I've got a couple more. <coughs> Let's start that again. Uh, I've got a couple more questions um, and then I'll be throwing it back to uh, Matthew. Um, so my penultimate question is um, someone, someone has said that um, they see the obstacle that a lot of people in the party had with recognising anti-Semitism was they only see anti, they only see racism when it's uh, explicit hatred rather than discriminatory behaviour. Um, how, how can we show that uh, uh, online abuse or particular words used in CLP meetings, you know, is anti-Semitism and should be recognised as such within the party? I think discriminatory behaviour, we would recognise it if it was against women, we would recognise it if it was against people of colour. So we've got to be, you know, just because people perceive Jews to be white doesn't mean that there should be, um, it, that there's no exceptionalism here. Um, I think that but this all comes back to education and it comes back to empowering chairs. I think this is going to be, um, this is where I sound horribly, horribly old. And I'm really, really sorry. But um, I think all chairs should have to be, read Walter Citrine because I think a lot of people haven't read Citrine. They don't know the ABC of chairmanship. I don't think they're empowered and I don't think they understand necessarily the rule book. And there was an issue, um, and that we had a huge influx of new members in 2015 and 2016 that wasn't a bad thing it was a good thing so it's about making sure that the top uh, top down from CLP officers to normal members the right education and processes are in place at the right time so uh, that citrine should be reading, in my opinion which I think makes me squarely the wrong side of 40 probably I, I um, guess I'll have to go and read it um, and then find <laughs> out um, not that I'm a CLP chair um, we actually do have uh, a question that kind of links to that, so I'll, I'll ask that first before uh, a final question, um, which was around um, the David Evans letter uh, on competent business um, mm -hmm. and some members believing it uh, stifles democracy, not the member who posted the question, I should add. Um, but uh, the, 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 the three things that he you know, mentioned in the, in the piece were all related to anti-Semitism in one way, shape or form, um, yeah. and some have taken that to, to mean that the Labour Party is going to shut down uh, debate about this. H how did you see that that letter from David Evans, and also uh, how do you think you know CLP should respond to that if members are pushing a motion to condemn the general secretary on that? Um, it no one on this call read the legal opinion that um, that the general secretary received about um, settling with the whistleblowers and leadership candidates, or in the recent leadership election committed to settle with the whistleblowers. Um, and to apologise to the whistleblowers. So I think that um, the issue of competent business, and especially on this specific issue, it had a legal terminology because of the potential legal impact and making sure that the Labour Party wasn't more vulnerable to ongoing legal action. But also, why on earth do you want to have an argument about anti-Semitism? Why do you want to keep this going? Why do you not want it to go away? And I think that's the, uh, the issue... Why is debating whether anti-Semitism exists or not within the Labour Party and why that would be something that you'd want to do? We are 10 years into a Conservative government 
we are living through a national pandemic we have an incompetent government and if people have joined the Labour Party to sit in a room I thought it was bad enough when we all sat in the room talking about potholes but if people have joined the Labour Party to sit in a room debating about anti-semitism or not then I don't understand why that would be your priority because if that is your priority you're in the wrong party that is your priority and it isn't fixing our community and it isn't fighting against universal credit and it isn't fighting against food banks and it isn't making sure there's enough PPE and it isn't standing up for those people who can't stand up for themselves then you're in the wrong party because it is no one no one should have joined the Labour Party to sit in a that now a zoom meeting having an argument about whether anti-semitism should be discussed in the Labour Party or not it's insane end of rant thank you very much um uh you, you did get some support in the in the chat for that so um <laughs> good good rant um final final question um is around um the difference between anti-racist training and unconscious bias training um yeah. so obviously um Keir uh, said that he was going to do unconscious bias training a few probably months ago time is not really a real construct anymore um and there's the 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 news yesterday or today again time not being a construct um of Tory MPs who are uh, gonna not go to unconscious bias training uh, in, in in parliament um do you think the party needs both of those things um uh, or or do you think that we, we should stick with one um what's your what's your view on unconscious bias training versus anti-racist training well look i i will take decent anti-racism training as a first step um in terms of uh um unconscious bias i think that we all have them we all definitely have them and that every one of us probably needs to have that exposed to us i think this is what makes us decent human beings and we need to look at that how um I'd say that our anti-racism training is really crap at the minute. So let's get that better first and or run both of them alongside each other. But we need to look at everything in the round. And as I said before, I think there's also a question of intent and we need to look at that as much as anything else too. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to pass over to uh, Matthew to conclude the session. Yeah, sorry about that. I, um, I think I must have accidentally muted myself. Um, well, I, I just wanted to say, uh, reiterate um, thanks to, to Ruth. You know, Hope Nothing is not a Labour Party uh, body. We want to see racism and fascism opposed by all parties. Um, that's in the past, it's always been about um, the parties mobilising against fascism in, in our, our country and in racism in our communities. Um, more recently, it's also been about uh, within uh, parties. And we're proud to stand alongside Ruth. And we're proud to stand alongside JLM. And we're proud to stand alongside, as allies, people in all parties who are fighting um, that fight. Um, I just want to reiterate what Ruth said about the importance of, of training um, and, um, you know, Home Not Hate's willingness to stand alongside other organisations to um, devise and implement that training so that not just people who don't know enough or enough about a topic uh, can be educated, but also so people who want to be allies in that fight and stand up in their own CLPs or, or branches have the uh, information and the confidence uh, to do so. I think that uh, both those things is really key. So thank you all for uh, joining this rather strange uh, but important uh, French meeting of the Labour Party Conference. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to be in person uh, at next year's uh, conference and talking about uh, how the fight has been, uh, uh, been won. Thank you again, Ruth, and thank you all for joining us. That case, home not hate are basically controlling Britain. Hope not hate. An alluring name for those more concerned about
about social justice and truth. These backward, these backward thinking, virtue, sig- virtue signaling, fake news creators. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you don't already subscribe, please do so to get every episode directly to your device. If you enjoy the Hope Not Hate podcast, please rate it and leave a review. That helps other people to find us. Thank you especially to our members. Your support helps us to do the work we do. If you aren't a member already and would like to join, please go to hopenahate.org.uk and press the big red button in the top right-hand corner. Thank you for listening.